let's face it, I'm not going to stop treating myself anytime soon, and neither should you. But what I should stop doing is paying for me time with whatever random credit card is in my wallet. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times the points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? Honey, is it like a gorgeous free flight that you would have had to have paid for, but honey, you're saving that flight money? Is it a gorgeous room upgrade? Is it like a gorgeous like two-bedroom suite instead of a one-bedroom suite so your like in-laws or like your friend could stay over there in that room so you don't have to like hear them doing whatever with what they're doing in your your guys' room? Is it like really adulting? Oh, I love adulting. And you know what else I love? is not waiting to make smart financial decisions. I also love paying my credit cards off in full every month because like, yes, good credit. So let's like do try to do that and like making responsible decisions, which we love. Um, But anyway, don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Darling. I was on a vacation recently and stayed at an Airbnb, and then I realized that while I was away, my empty house could be making money, honey. If you're someone like me that is busy and not home all the time, your home could be an Airbnb, and it's actually pretty simple to get started. Even if you don't have a whole house, you could start with just a spare room. Personally, I really enjoy staying at Airbnbs. I really do. I love a good Airbnb. Who is that? Come back, British you. And it really is a great way to like support local economy and support local people. So Airbnb is fabulous. And I know I was doing my British voice earlier, but we love Airbnb. So think about what you could do with some extra cash. Whether you're looking to treat yourself to something nice, like a shopping spree or a spa day, or start a whole side hustle, Airbnb can help you be that person. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, curious people. Welcome to Curious Now. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every other week, I go beyond the headlines. This is the news in my world. If you're loving getting curious, as I hope you are, that's still every Wednesday. Our Curious Now is every other Monday, and then between those every other Mondays, you have Pretty Curious, where we do all things beauty. We are really excited for the new year because we're going to keep chopping and changing, as my husband would say, on figuring out like how we want Curious Now to sound and feel, how we want Pretty Curious to sound and feel. And so just thank you for rolling with us, for growing with us. We love you so much. Um, For today's Curious Now, we're going to be going beyond the headlines with Celeste Watkins-Hayes, who's one of my very favorite Getting Curious guests ever. Um, She's an expert on the HIV epidemic, She's an author. She's a dean at University of Michigan. Um, This is World AIDS Month in December, so we thought it would be really good to go out of the year with kind of an update on all things HIV. And also, Celeste Watkins-Hayes is like super fucking fun, and it's a fabulous conversation. So just stick around. It's going to be really fun. But for now, good God, I'm such a good news anchor. Um, But for now, let's go over to our news desk uh, to hear from Jonathan, who's reporting live from my podcasting room. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. This is Jonathan. And these are, hey, Jesus Christ, my, I've had a small mini stroke. I should probably get to the doctor. And I'm cockney now, apparently, which is quite a development. Um, Anyway, hello, Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. This is Jonathan reporting live from my podcasting room. Here are our new stories of the week. First segment. 
headlines that even straight people are talking about. The United States uh, was United Statesing and uh, vetoed a resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. Widespread disappointment from that. The U.S. was the sole vote cast against the resolution while the United Kingdom abstained from the vote. If the resolution passed the Security Council, it would have been legally binding and violations to the ceasefire would have enacted consequences like sanctions. Um, just after that vote, though, the General Assembly did pass a resolution calling for a ceasefire, but I believe that vote is not legally binding. It's just like a edict from the UN that says, like, you know, everyone thinks that there should be a ceasefire. This has been nothing short of devastating to see play out um, on social media. And we want to make sure that we're lending our voice for peace and humanity, um, which is what our goal is. To that end, moving on to our next story, President Biden issued his strongest rebuke yet of Benjamin Netanyahu, saying that Israel is losing support over its, quote, indiscriminate bombing of Gaza, revealing a rift in relations with the prime minister. Next story. Okay. Trigger warning, this story includes sexual assault, and if you want to not hear about that, skip forward. Um, GOP hypocrisy never stops. If you have not heard the case about Bridget Ziegler and her husband, Christian Ziegler, please get into it. Um, Christian Ziegler has been accused of rape by a woman who he was meant to have a threesome with, his wife, Bridget, and this unnamed um person who is accusing them of rape. The Ziegler say that like they had had consensual sex with this woman before, but on this occasion, Bridget, the wife, couldn't make it. A hotel situation happened with Christian and this woman, and that's where um, Christian Ziegler is being accused of rape. For anyone, rape is incredibly serious. It's an in incredibly serious crime. It's a huge problem all over the world. Um, and that, if prove true needs to be, I mean, Christian Ziegler needs to face accountability for that. But I think for us, another important thing that we pull from this story is the GOP hypocrisy. Here we have a woman who is a co-founder of Moms for Liberty, which is one of the most conservative groups. It's spearheaded the Don't Say Gay Law. She has stood shoulder to shoulder with Ron DeSantis to make Florida as unwelcoming and as a terrible place for queer people as possible, as has Christian Ziegler as the chair of the Republican State Party. Um, these two people have targeted queer people maliciously for years, and yet here they are admitting to having what they call consensual threesomes that are bisexual. Um, so it really points out to the hypocrisy that like, typically the call is coming from inside the house. So whether it's hurting children, queer people, whatever it is, the GOP needs to look in their own homes and their own churches and their own backyards to find where people are being sexually abused, both young and old, because honey, it is not a drag queen fucking story hour. Wow, it's time for our next segment, which is stories that made me go, whoa. This story says that a growing number of healthcare providers are implementing, quote, weight-neutral care after evidence showed that focusing solely on a patient's weight can harm patients. Weight-neutral care means committing to provide the same care to everyone, no matter how much they weigh. Even in a world with weight loss drugs like Ozempic and Wagovi, weight-neutral providers are still determined to make sure people in larger bodies feel heard and respected in their doctor's offices. With this article also, which we're going to link this article in the episode description... But this article also goes on to say that by doctors focusing so much on weight, it drives misdiagnoses or misdiagnoses. And that's like the biggest deal that a lot of people who are in larger bodies have completely treatable illnesses that aren't even related to their weight that go undiagnosed that cause severe adverse health outcomes 
because they are not cared for. So this is really important. It makes us think a lot about um, our episode with like the history of the calorie that we just did a few weeks ago. It also makes us think about the history of fat phobia episode that we did. So if this is why we included that in this Curious Now, because this story really... Uh, reverberates and and pulls together some, it connects some dots from some of our previous episodes that we think are important. So please, when you're done listening to this, go uh, read the story if you haven't already, because it's really good. Moving on, rounding third base, we're going into the gay agenda. I, um, The Supreme Court refused to challenge a Washington law that protects LGBTQI plus youth from conversion therapy. Three conservative judges, Clarence Thomas, Samuel, Samuel Alito, and Brett Kavanaugh, dissented saying they would have taken the case. Shocker. But at least apparently states' rights works both ways, I guess. I don't fucking know. These goddamn people are pissing me off. California was the first state to ban conversion efforts in 2012. Since 2012, 26 states have instituted partial or full bans on conversion therapy. Our next story, which this one is just so sweet, and I just, I'm so happy to finally have our frown turned upside down, but this fucking rare bird with literally like half male, half female down the fucking middle. It's got half female, half male plumage, which is like the layer of feathers, um, was spotted in Colombia. So basically the half of the bird is green, the other half is blue, and it's literally got like fucking half man, half woman. It's it's giving interesting. This phenomenon is called gynandromorphism. Um, it's extremely rare in birds. This is only the second recorded example in this species of an animal having one half male and one half female half. But this phenomenon does happen in other places in the animal kingdom. In that article, it was talking about it was like stick insects, like some other insects. There's like some other birds. Like So this whole like gynandromorphism, it's like Nature is naturing. It's doing cool stuff. It's finding strategies. Where there's a will, there's a way. I'm obsessed. Good for them. This is my last little gay agenda moment. I know we're going into the holidays. My family's coming over this weekend. Um, I don't know, you know, you got, y'all are probably going to be traveling a lot. So please travel safely as you head into the holidays. But please have the tough conversations with your families. If you have a family member who you have never really talked to about trans rights, queer rights, women rights, abortion rights, really anything that that moves you and affects gay people, queer people, which is really like so many things because like queer issues like literally touch everything. Please take the time to have conversations. Do the research so that you can have tough conversations because honey, we're coming into 2024 and it's going down. Um, and so yeah, just, Take that with what you will, which I hope is, you know, some seriousness. Our last little bit before we get into our conversation with Celeste, two things that we want to put on your radar, on your radar, on your radar. Animal shelters around the U.S. have been inundated with animals since the pandemic. The animal care centers of New York City announced it would not be accepting most new dogs because it was too crowded. Shelters in North Carolina and Texas have also suspended dog intakes for similar reasons. If you're considering bringing an animal into your life, please consider adopting. And also, these dogs and cats are so sweet, so deserving of love, so deserving of homes. And also, the people that are working in these animal care centers are just the most incredible loving people and they need support. They need financial support. They need volunteer support. So even if you're not adopting an animal, please like support a local uh, animal shelter, volunteer, donate, anything you can. I want other people to have the chance to fall in love with a pet and see the amazing connection and joy and love that it brings into their life, especially for Christmas time, holiday time. Go Hanukkah, go Kwanzaa, go Christmas, go Eid. Ah! But with the holiday season upon us, this is the last thing we want to put on the radar. We love Trans Santa. Trans Santa anonymously delivers gifts to trans youth in need. 
So many folks are going through tough economic times this year. Help out Transanta if you can. You can visit their website at transanta.com. You know what my favorite phrase is. Without further ado, it's time to get to our conversation with Celeste Watkins-Hayes. December is World AIDS Month, so let's get an update on the state of HIV research, the HIV epidemic, with Celeste Watkins-Hayes. The one, the only, Celeste Watkins-Hayes. Welcome back to the show, Celeste. How are you? Yay! Thank you so much for having me on. It's so good to see you again. Celeste, I miss you so much. I literally think about you all the time. I quote our episode every two fucking seconds. And also, can I just say that our team was so beyond ecstatic to see your career news, which is really exciting. Could you share with the class um, what has happened in your career since we got to speak last time? Sure. So I am now the dean of the Gerald R. Ford School of Public Policy at the University of Michigan. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a dean now and I moved from Northwestern to U of M and super excited. Two great institutions and so happy to be leading a policy school. So do you live in like Ann Arbor now? I live outside of Ann Arbor, about an hour away, because I wanted to be closer to family, because I am from Michigan. Oh, my God. Well, welcome, like, home. And I just am yes. so... And, and, and does that mean that, like, people, like, did they used to call you, like, Professor Watkins-Hayes, but now they have to call you, like, Dean Watkins-Hayes? It's Dean Watkins-Hayes now. Uh, and, and is <laughs> Dean kind of, like, ambassador, like, once you get that title, like, you have, like, it's, like, forevermore. Like, you will always be... <laughs> Like Dean That's Watkins a good Hayes. question. So when I'm like 75, am I going to ask people to call me Dean? Yes. You know, I may, I imagine being like one of these old academic ladies in my 70s who wears very fabulous hats. And I can see people saying, hey, Dean. So sure, why not? If I get a vote <laughs> in this, I say yes. I say you make it a thing. Um, so obviously, uh, I think the last we spoke was... I think, was it January 2020? No, it wasn't. January it. of 2020. Yes, and that was our update. Yeah. Um, but then our Getting Curious episode was, no, it was January 2020. Yeah, it was January 2020. Because Holy my moly. book, Remaking a Life, um, How Women Living with HIV Confront Inequality, came out August of 2019. And I was on the book tour when uh, we spoke. So January of 2020. And how did we know how much our lives were about to change then. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, what a huge difference. Um, and so it's so good to see you, friend. And we just have to acknowledge that, first of all, in terms of everything that we've been through, everything that the country and the world have been through, for the listeners, just to be able to take a moment to think about, I am here and I am still here and we are here and you are here. So we just need to honor that. Oh God, that feels really good. Don't you just love when someone looks at you and says, what were you up to last night? Well, no matter how late you were up the night before, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops can help your eyes look more refreshed and awake. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute to help your eyes look brighter and whiter for up to eight hours. No wonder it has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. You won't believe your eyes. You know you can trust them, though, because they're made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb, and they're backed by six clinical studies. Eye doctors trust them, too. They're the number one recommended redness reliever eye drop. 
The one and only Lumify is an amazing drop that will have people saying something's different about you in the best way possible. So check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them ever take their first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Having built a business or two myself, I know just how difficult the whole process is. But Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Yes! From LLC information to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC information plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash JVN. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash JVN. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Obviously, COVID had huge ripple effects on everything. Um, What happened to the HIV epidemic like through COVID? What's happened in these last three years? Yeah, so it was, let's talk about COVID first and then the bigger trends that we're seeing in HIV. So COVID was a really scary time for a lot of reasons. Number one, there was a lot of concern about people's access to infrastructure. How are people going to continue to get tested, get access to treatment, get access to PrEP, pre-exposure, prophylaxis, all of those different tools that we need to confront the HIV epidemic. How would people do that if they were essentially kind of locked in their homes? The second big concern was, were we going to see kind of comorbidities? Was it the case where people with HIV would find themselves more susceptible to COVID? Would the symptoms be more severe? Would the mortality rates be more severe? And what we found is that, um, for the most part, COVID kind of ran its course uh, among the population living with HIV in similar ways as it did with the rest of the general public. There were people who had really devastating outcomes and experiences, and there were people who didn't. And I think that that is no small part to getting those vaccines out, making sure that people living the COVID vaccines, people living with HIV had access to care and were kind of routinely checking in with medical providers. Um, But that was a real stress and anxiety. And then the third big fear was the social dynamics of COVID. When people don't have access to economic resources due to the economic lockdowns that happen and the ways in which we had to kind of put the government and put the economics uh, climate in in a bit of a standstill in a lot of different industries, what were people going to do or have to do to survive? And would those circumstances put them greater at risk? So we know that people living with HIV are often the most vulnerable demographically in terms of race, class, gender, sexuality, sexual identity. 
And we also saw that during COVID, the people who were the first responders, the essential workers, the people who were out there still having to engage with the public were disproportionately those members of those kinds of those populations as well. So there's a lot of worry and anxiety um, through COVID about what would happen. And nevertheless, we saw some real silver linings. We saw, for example, Tony Fauci really trying to get the message out about COVID, trying to be a calming force in the midst of chaos. Many from the HIV community know Dr. Fauci um, and his very long history around HIV work. There was a real opportunity to explore telehealth, where many people living with HIV have been saying, for years, do I have to come in to the clinic or this organization to get basic services? Do I have to take make the trek and take the buses and do all of these logistical things to get access to care? And it had always been said, well, this is what's necessary. Well, COVID taught us there's another way to deliver social and healthcare services, and that's through telehealth. So there were some silver linings. And as we look at what we've seen in terms of the numbers, we are seeing declines in overall HIV rates in the United States. So there are some reasons to believe that the interventions that we've been doing um, have been really helpful. We're still seeing disproportionate impacts and we're, we're still unfortunately seeing increases among um, gay and bisexual men of color. So black and Latinx men. So still work to do as it relates to reducing the numbers, but also making sure that some of the gains that we're seeing in declining numbers are shared across populations. One thing that you said in our first recording that I think I find myself quoting the most often is that like when people say we're all in this together, it's like, yeah, but we're on really different boats. Like some people are out here on yachts and other people are out here on like the headboard from the Titanic, like trying to get like eight people on like a fucking flimsy, you know, headboard. Um, so ever since you've said that, like I can't unsee it. And it really like mm-hmm. applies to like almost everything thing that you mm-hmm. could think of. Um, so how is the HIV social safety net? Like is, did COVID just totally like, did it fuck it up? And and now mm-hmm. not that COVID's over because, you know, thousands of people I think still, or people are still dying from COVID. People are still getting COVID like, you know, but how is the HIV social safety net in the United States? How is it faring in like, you know, mm-hmm. 2023 going into 2024? Um, and then also like worldwide, What's just, what's the state of, what's the state of HIV things, HIV AIDS things? Yeah, yeah. So that HIV safety net is critically important. Think of it as it's really the engine that drives the decline in HIV rates because it provides a number of things. It provides access to healthcare, both for um, people living with HIV to get access to testing and treatment, but also it opens up a conversation through a lot of different organizations and healthcare providers around PrEP. So preventing HIV transmission for HIV negative uh, individuals. So organizations that are in the healthcare game as it relates to HIV are key. Organizations that are in the social service game as it relates to HIV are key. And that gets, Jonathan, to our point about safety nets versus yachts, right? So much of what the safety net, the HIV safety net does is it really tries to fortify the experiences of people who are in those rowboats to strengthen those boats and give them stronger oars, right? And and to also give opportunities where they can get the heck out of the rowboat and into a, a kind of stronger vessel. So providing access to housing. Um, economic assistance, 
Um, all manner of basic needs are another part of what the safety net does. And then the third part of what it does is the social support, the connection, right? What so many of us were worried about also during COVID was just that loss of connection and people who are already battling a stigmatizing illness falling further potentially into a situation of social isolation, we know negatively impacts their health. So, so much of the safety net was about keeping that social connection. So making sure that people had access to laptops or phones with access to data so they could plug into a support group virtually and learn how to use Zoom for the first time and all those other things. That became a part of the HIV safety net that hadn't been there prior to Zoom, the whole way that the safety net kind of went virtual, if you will. And then the final thing was that political activism, right? Because we can't forget that during the height of the COVID pandemic, it was also the time where we saw George Floyd murdered and Breonna Taylor and so many others. So there was so much activism in the streets and so much of the HIV community. It's been a story about activism, about not being afraid to take to the streets, not being afraid to speak truth to power, not being afraid to push legislators and um, being able to direct that attention to racial violence and to respond to it, it, I think it kept the community engaged. It kept the community active in really important ways. So a lot of the people that I interviewed during COVID, what were they doing? People, these are people who are living with HIV. They were out in the streets protesting. Um, and they were also trying to figure out how to get more people access to the virtual safety net. And they were trying to maintain their own health. So COVID at the height of the pandemic is as problematic as it was, also created these new opportunities and these new ways for this community of people living with HIV and people who care about people living with HIV and people doing the work to figure out new ways to organize, new ways to mobilize, new ways to connect, and new demands that they wanted to make of systems so that we can get the heck out of the rowboats. Hey, it's Jonathan Van Ness. Americans United for Separation of Church and State defends your freedom to live as yourself and believe as you choose, so long as you don't harm others. Core freedoms like abortion rights, marriage equality, public education, and even American democracy itself rest upon the wall of separation between church and state. Christian nationalists are attacking these freedoms, seeking to force us all to live by their narrow beliefs. Americans United is fighting back. Freedom without favor and equality without exception. Learn more about AU at au.org slash curious. In the brand new book, Dear By Men, author, peer counselor, and creator of the hashtag Bisexual Men Speak, J.R. Youssef offers an unapologetic guide for readers who are Black, Mask, and Bi. The book features cutting social analysis, personal stories, and reclaims bi-plus visibility in a culture of erasure. It also offers practical feedback on how to unlearn internalized biphobia and homophobia, fight back against erasure and stigma, navigate sex, dating, partnerships, marriage, friendship, and much more. It's available now wherever books are sold. North Atlantic Books is offering listeners 25% off plus free shipping. Purchase Dear Buy Men at www.northatlanticbooks.com and use code CURIOUS25 at checkout for 25% off and free shipping. U.S. mailing address required.
can the HIV social safety net survive more Republican governance? There are people now who are trying to say that like, okay, well, employer healthcare doesn't need to cover PrEP because that means that you're having gay sex and we don't support gay sex, so we don't want to require PrEP. It, like, or we don't want to have to provide PrEP on your insurance policies. Well, how far until you don't want to provide HIV medication? Because that means that maybe you had some gay sex. Like, how, like, where does this stop? So much of what we have taken for granted in terms of, um, in our country, democratic rights, norms, values, um, kind of majority rule, um, People are anxious about that. If people don't take anything else from this conversation, I hope they take this. It is the long game that we need to be committed to and focused on. Because when you think about people who don't agree with us politically, what we don't realize is so much of what they've been able to do has been because they've been focused on the long game, mm-hmm. right? They've had, there's been a strategy for decades in terms of how do we get the people in power that we want in power? How do we make sure the courts look like how we want to look at the courts? How do we uh, challenge the institutions that we're not happy with? And there's been a recognition that the long game is kind of where it's at. And I would just encourage us, those who have, those of us who are listening today, just remember that is how that that's where it's at, you know. And that means it's going to be two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes it's going to be two steps forward, three steps back. And to recognize our place in time and history means that we are responsible for taking the baton from those who came before us running as fast and as hard as we can, and then passing the baton over to the next generation, the next person who's ready to take it. So that part of our responsibility is you got to run just to hand the baton over, right? So if you stay steady and don't do anything, then you aren't in a position to give the baton to the next activist, to the next change maker, to the next person who has that bold, big idea that is actually going to move the needle. So if anything, our responsibility is, number one, recognizing the long arc of history, um, understanding the long game that's necessary for the kind of work we want to do, and understanding that even in our moments of deepest despair and devastation, our job is to keep running so we can hand the baton over to the next person. And keep in mind, Jonathan, sometimes that run may be a sprint. Sometimes it is a crawl of a walk. Don't get me wrong. It's not always going to be, you know, a, a, a run at full energy. Sometimes it's just going to be literally us crawling to get to the next piece. But forward, we must go, right? So I really hope people... Um, absorb that because, you know, there are going to be dark days and there are going to be difficult moments. But when we put it all in the context of history, um, we can see examples where our work and our patience and our commitment has nevertheless paid off for the good. What HIV news should we be keeping our eyes on? Oh, absolutely. Whenever there is a legislative conversation around access to health care, access to housing, that is an HIV conversation. Recognize that. Whether we're talking about something very HIV specific, like the Ryan White Care Act, 
or whether we're talking about conversations about the unhoused, that is an HIV conversation and we need to recognize it as such. So um, pay attention, be informed and decide how you're going to plug in, whether you're going to plug in at the policy level, whether you're going to plug in at I want to change this institution or whether that's operating in my community and make an impact there or whether it's I want to do individual outreach to individuals to make sure that they're tested, they're educated, they're getting access to resources, et cetera. The other thing I'll say is what I'm framing here is pick your issue, but also pick what level you want to intervene at. Are you really better at influencing individuals to um, to take care of themselves? Are you really good at influencing institutions? You're an institutional change maker. You know how to speak to people to move institutions. Or are you at the big structural level where I want to talk about policy? I want to talk about systems. So the other advice that I often give to my students is, what level of intervention do you think you are most suited for and go towards that? Because everybody can do something and everybody's suited for something in terms of where they can make a difference. Holy shit. There's really no better way to end this recording than that. That's like the most inspiring thing I've ever heard. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Dean Watkins Hayes, thank you so much for coming on Curious Now. We are so happy to see you and talk to you. I just love you so much. Thanks for coming on the show. I adore you, Jonathan. I adore everything that you're doing. This is such an amazing platform. I know you are making such change in the lives of so many, and you're just voicing what so many people are voicing, but you're also introducing people to conversations that are just so critical and so important for all of us. So just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So are you so much. And I love you so much. And thank you for coming on Curious Now. Ah! You've been listening to Curious Now with me, Jonathan Van Ness. You can learn more about this week's guest and their area of expertise in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. And honey, do not sleep on our Instagram at Curious with JVN. Curious Now drops every other Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to tune in next Monday for an episode of Pretty Curious and every Wednesday for Getting Curious. Still can't get enough? Subscribe to Extra Curious on Apple Podcasts for commercial-free listening. Honey, no more commercials for you. And our subscription-only show, Ask JVN, where we're talking sex, relationships, and so much more. Our engineer is Nathaniel McClure. And our theme music is also composed by Nathaniel McClure. Curious Now is produced by me, Chris McClure, Julia Melfi, and Allison Weiss with production support from Julie Carrillo, Ann Curry, and Chad Hall. 